Good morning and welcome to Oasis Community Church Online. So great to have you with us in what is going to be a jam-packed morning for us. Uh, we're going to gather together and we're going to pray in a few moments time because there are leaders, global leaders meeting as we gather right now. They are gathering in Glasgow to discuss the future climate of our planet. And it seems like a pivotal moment, doesn't it? It seems like a moment where we as the church need to be active and proactive. And one way we can do that is praying uh, that God's spirit would just lead those leaders in the decisions they're making. And so we're going to gather and we're going to pray. And so uh, we're going to have that in a few moments time. Also really privileged this morning that as we continue studying 1 Peter together, uh, we've got Elin missionaries, Roy and Lainey Hitchman, uh, been working in the area of relationships for years. They, they're they part of the pastoral team for our Elin missionaries overseas, and they're going to be speaking into relationships and, and community and what that means for us as a church as we step into gospel communities. But as we start right now, we're going to start with worship. We do that every time we gather. We just we just set our hearts before God and said, you are worthy to receive our praise, our glory, our adoration, because you are God, the creator, sustainer. And so we worship you. And I've been reading the Psalms recently and Psalm, uh, the, the book of Psalms ends with five Psalms that are about praising and glorifying God. That through the whole range of human emotion we see in the Psalms, there's this sort of climactic moment at the end of the book that she says, we're going to give praise to you, God. You know, we can choose no matter the circumstances, we choose to praise our God. And so this is how it's finished in Psalm 148. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him the heights above. Praise him, all you angels and heavenly hosts, the sun, the moon, the shining stars, your highest heavens, the waters uh, above and the skies. Let them praise the God for he commanded them and they were created. And it says, praise the Lord on the earth. We've had the heavens declaring the glory. Now the earth, the sea creatures and all the ocean depths, the lightning hail, all the weather we experience, the mountains, the hills, the trees, the animals, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the princes and powers and authorities, young men, maidens, you, me, women, children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn. The praise of his saints This is talking about Jesus, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. We get to rejoice in who God is because of what he's done in Jesus. And so we're going to celebrate this morning uh, and let's glorify him. So, Alan, will you lead us as we sing right now in praise to the one true God, the creator, the sustainer, our healer, our salvation. That is Jesus Christ. Amen. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. No point of reference, you spoke to the dark, fleshed out the wonder of As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. The vapor of your breath, the planets, the stars were made to worship so well. 
could amount to your desire. The one who never leaves the one behind. Well, it is such a privilege to be with you in this way on this very special COP26 Sunday as world leaders gather in Glasgow to discuss literally the future of our planet. Wherever you're watching this and uh, whether you're participating online or uh, in the gathered church service, thank you for joining us to think and pray about climate justice. With the planet warming, uh, resulting in floods and famines and fires, all the terrible things we so often see in our newspapers. And these things particularly afflicting the poorest people in our world. This really matters. Some people, of course, say that uh, environmental concern has got very little to do with Christianity. In fact, um, just the advertising for this event uh, has got people in touch with me on social media and so on, uh, accusing me of all kinds of things. They've accused me of being woke, uh, of just getting on some environmental bandwagon, of deviating from scripture, and even of having bought into some great global conspiracy. I'm sure you've experienced similar things too. One person even asked me outright, what on earth climate justice has got to do with the gospel? <laughs> and I replied, everything, absolutely everything. This isn't just about, um, you know, the way we travel, the way we shop, uh, the way we do or don't recycle. Those things matter. And this isn't just for zealous young Extinction Rebellion activists and ageing tree huggers and David Attenborough fans. This is for all of us and especially for us as Christians. I'm going to explain why. This is about the way that we think, the way we pray, and the heart of our purpose as people made by the Creator God. So let's turn uh, together to the start of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, where we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. One of the first things that God asks us to do is to take care of the world that he's made. The original Hebrew word here is orbad, which means to tend the garden, to cultivate it, even to serve the land. We're not to exploit the earth, but to nurture and serve it. It's not just there to serve us, we're there to serve it. So the Christian worldview must challenge the greed of unrestricted capitalism continually. The great theologian Thomas Aquinas argued that we should never think of creation as just a one-off event with a before and after. God did it and now we've got it. Instead, Aquinas said that creation is an ongoing process. It's continuous. God has made today. He's continually renewing, remaking, sustaining his creation. And this is important. He has chosen to do so in partnership with us. He asks us to tend the garden. 
I remember uh, I was on a holiday at my mum's house. She lives by the beach. And there's just this stunning beach. I was down worshipping the Lord at the beauty of it all. And just lost in wonder, love and praise. And then I noticed behind me on the beach so much plastic and rubbish that I went home. I got our two young sons and we took bin liners and we filled uh, two bin liners each. That's six bin liners with rubbish. We, this was part of, I felt, just being a Christian, caring for the world, tending the garden. And then I went back two days later to the same beach. There'd been a storm and all of the plastic, all of the mess had filled back up again. It was disheartening. That's why I guess as well as engaging personally, we've got to engage politically. In order to tend the garden, as we've been commanded, we must contend with human selfishness and greed, even at a structural level. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 says to us, well, the Apostle Paul urges us, first of all, when we gather to worship, we should offer petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving for all those in authority over us, that all may go well with us in the land. I reckon this is probably uh, one of the most disobeyed commandments in the British church. We rarely pray for those in authority over us when we come together to worship. But at a moment like this, with the world's leaders gathering in Glasgow, in one of our nations, with so much at stake, we must surely pray that they will have wisdom beyond human wisdom and foresight beyond just human expediency and courage beyond their own personal political short-term ambition. I believe that we need as the people of God to repent for the way that we have treated the world. I'm just ashamed to acknowledge that the worst culprit of environmental destruction for most of the past three centuries has been the supposedly Christian worldview West. It is time for us to repent of our sinful exploitation of the garden that we have been commissioned to serve, to tend, to cultivate, to care for. And we also think need to repent because, let's be honest, the real root of the problem here is not political, it's human greed. It is the heart of the human problem, as Cheston says, is the problem of the human heart. Change begins not just with the G7, but with me, with the way I shop, the way I travel, the way I care for that tiny little bit of the world with which I've been entrusted. I long for the day when every person who becomes a Christian kind of naturally as part of the package becomes a climate activist because they realise that their salvation doesn't just mean they kind of get into heaven when they die, but it affects the way they live their lives, the way they vote. They realise that they have just joined a 2,000-year-old global conspiracy ganging up together to serve and save the planet for the glory of its creator. This really could be our greatest moment. You know, the church with its 1.4 billion members could speak truth to power prophetically. That's why we need to petition him, to pray to him. 
That's why we need to obey his original commandment to tend the garden, to care for the poor and to fight, therefore, for climate justice. And ultimately, this for us as Christians is what it means to pray, thy kingdom come. We are asking in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus's rule and reign in every sphere of a renewed world would come to us, not just saving people out of a dying world, but saving a dying world by the power of his life, death and resurrection. Amen. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for caring about these issues. Let's make a difference. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Creator God, who made all things, we acknowledge as your handiwork, we stand alongside all which you have created. Trees, rivers, mountains and valleys, soaring birds and scuttling creatures, all are held within your care. May we grow in our love and appreciation for your creation, and may our awe and wonder draw us closer to you, the God of all things. Your kingdom come. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. For you so loved the world, the cosmos, the entirety of creation, of which we humans are just one part. May we learn again how to care for this planet. As we pause and consider the climate emergency, we remember that we're praying to the Lord of all the earth. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, grant us the wisdom to care for your earth. Sharing your provision and goodness with all our neighbours. Founded on the covenant of your love. Lord God, you made the world and declared it was very good. As temperatures rise, storms rage, forests burn, and islands sink, it is the people who have done the least to cause the climate crisis who are suffering the most. We stand together in sorrow. We ask for forgiveness, for you are the God of all, who restores all relationships when we repent. Forgive us for decades of inaction and for not living in accordance with your will. As we forgive those who sin against us. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority. World leaders gathered at COP26 carry a huge burden of responsibility over this world that you love so much. We hold them in our prayers. May they have humble and wise hearts. We pray for anointed diplomacy, boldness and conviction to show your love to those who have least. We pray for unity among the nations and for compelling voices and leaders to rise up so that miraculous action will begin. 
Mumanva. But deliver us from evil. May we remember that we are a global community. Our actions and choices affect one another. Help us resist the temptation to make choices for our convenience and to consider how those choices affect our neighbors across the world. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Help us respond with the radical love of Jesus. A love that disrupts the status quo and sacrifices itself to bring restoration. This is our responsibility. This is our worship. Lord, renew us in a steadfast spirit and cleanse our hearts. Renew our minds and transform our lives. Renew our world. Car c'est à toi qu'appartiennent le règne, la puissance et la gloire. Now and forever. Amen. 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 Uh, just just an important moment just to come and pray together. And, um, and I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like we want to do more, doesn't it? But prayer is so significant in this season. This is above and beyond. Uh, and we're, we're pleading with God, but our hearts are being stirred. And so uh, you may be feeling a sense to, to call to action in this moment. And um, there's going to be some websites that come up on the screen right now that you can go to. And they might help direct you as we seek as a church to, to steward that which God has called us to care for such an important thing within the life of what God has called us to be as his followers, as his disciples, to steward and care for the creation that he's put within our hands. I'm uh, I'm privileged this morning to be able to introduce you as we move on into gathering around God's word, uh, Roy and Lainey Hitchman. Uh, just a great couple who have invested in the lives of so many people, uh, not least our Elim missionaries around the world in regards to relationships, uh, not simply just marriage, but friendships and uh, for singles and young adults and uh, mature people. And just just what, what, what this looks like for us to be uh, people in relationship with God and each other. And they're going to lead us in God's word this morning. So Roy and Lainey, thank you so much for being with us and, and over to you right now. Hi everyone, we're Roy and Lainey Hitchman and um, we're going to bring the message this morning. It really is a a privilege to do that. Um, As far as we understand, you're all looking at the whole area of gospel communities. And so we've been asked to bring um, a teaching on a a passage of scripture in 1 Peter 3, its first seven verses, and sort of look at that and how it applies to our lives and living within gospel communities. And so we're going to take a look at that scripture now. We're going to start uh, at verse one. And um, it's a section which is entitled Husbands and Wives or Wives and Husbands. Uh, so what what we want to encourage you now is don't, don't switch off if you're not married, okay? Because there's a lot within these verses which apply to wider relationships within our church communities and beyond. Um, Before we actually read 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, we're going to read another scripture 
that helps us understand how important our, our relationships are and the volumes that they speak to the people that, that are within our lives that see us every day. Um, and so we're going to look first at John 13, verses 34 to 35, which says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, our love for others demonstrates our relationship with God to them. Um, and, and often the thing is, when we, when we look at this scripture, we read it as applying to um, our relationships with other people within the church or within the community. And sometimes we fail that fail to make the connection that really means all of our relationships. And that means, you know, our marriage relationships. It means our relationship with, with, with our family, with our children, with our teenagers. Um, and, and, and what this verse is saying, that our interaction with, with everyone, including our family, it just speaks volumes to those around us. And we know, we know that often our, our interactions with our family are the most challenging ones. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, they're the ones that we really need to pay attention on. It's, and it's just because they know how we work. They, they know um, how it presses our buttons. But regardless of that, you know, because of these verses, we're called, we're being taught to live differently to the world in order to reach the world. And, and so our marriages and our family relationships should be an example of how relationships work. Okay, so back, back, to, the, back to 1 Peter 3. We're going to look at uh, the first two verses here. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a verse with some controversial words in it. There's a few landmines in it. So what we're going to ask is that you bear with us as we, as we unpack this, as we work our way through. Try not to get triggered by by your understanding of some of the words. Uh, but verses one and two says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So there's a lot in this verse. There's a lot to unpack, but I want to focus in on something that we can all relate to and is relevant to every single person that part of our witness, part of how we reach others is to be a wordless witness, a wordless influence. And um, we've, we've worked with couples for most of our lives, many of whom there's one that's Christian, one that's not. And there's all sorts of tactics that people reduce themselves to. Part of what they believe is a wordless witness is leaving Christian literature lying around, playing worship music loudly. But this isn't what this is talking about. This is talking about what's going inside of you, going on inside of you, coming out and being a witness to the people that you live with. So in other words, something about our conduct. Um, I'm just wondering what your life is preaching. I know it's made me stop and think, what's my life preaching? So the key here is to live respectful and pure lives so holiness is a big part of our walk it's a big part of our influence and it's not just a coat that we put on on a Sunday you know this is our holy coat and um, it is about what happens in our home 
and are we living in a holy way in our home? And just to sort of look at what does holiness mean in our home. There's no walking around like this all yeah, the time. It's living the principles of life that are found in the word of God. In other words, our behavior speaks volumes. Yeah. So let's let's go on with this this passage in, in 1 Peter 3. We're now on verses 3 and 4. And uh, here it says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewellery or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So this this isn't this isn't saying that you can't look good, you can't look nice, but it's saying it shouldn't be the focus. Okay, it's about um, it's not about self presentation. It's about self revelation. It's about revealing who you really are, letting what's inside shine out. It's saying it, what's what's inside you, and what's going on within your heart, within your attitudes, within your thoughts towards other people is the most important thing. Now, now that that sort of thing is not instagrammable you know you can't you can't take a picture of your of your attitudes and kind thoughts towards one another you know and, and, and put it out there for people to see um but but this this verse is actually saying that it's it's clear that it's not about what you wear or how you style your hair or whether you you instagram a picture of you reading your bible with your coffee next door it's, it's nothing like that it's what it's really saying is the important thing is the stuff that's going on inside, it sounds strange, but the stuff that's really going on inside is the stuff that people really see. And so we need to learn to be um, authentic in our love for God and our love for others and not plastic in our love for God and our mm. love for others. So, you know, what's going on in our inner being, in our thoughts, in our attitudes comes to the surface and just radiates out in our relationships to, to, to one another. Um, you know, the question is, does what's going on inside reflect um, God to other people? I think that the other thing that happens here when we're looking at these verses is we do need to exercise a little bit of caution. Um, the caution is that we can take everything at surface level, and it's important to dig deep. When you're reading the Word of God, dig deep. Um, I'm glad that I dug deep in these verses because I perhaps had my own little personal trigger. Uh, <laughs> and there were two words that did that. The one, one word was gentle and the other one <laughs> was quiet. Um, Royal tell you that I'm not the most graceful or gentle person in the world. And I'm not the most quiet either. And I started to think if, the, if this scripture is saying that there's an imperishable beauty of a quiet, a gentle and quiet spirit, uh, which in God's sight is very precious. What does that mean about me? What does that mean about my life? So there's two keys here that we're gonna look at. The first one is, what does this gentle spirit mean? What, or meek, meek is the other word that's used here in the translations. So digging deep, I went to my Strong's Concordance. You like your Strong's Concordance? I, like, I like my Strong's Concordance. You're going to hear a lot about that because I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do think that we've got lots of stuff that we can look up and really understand. And this this word gentle, uh, you know, I've got my idea of what that means. You've probably got your idea of what that means. But 
biblical meekness or biblical gentleness is maybe not what you expect. And it says this, it says to exercise God's strength under his control. And I'll say that again because it takes a little while, I think, to really grasp that, to exercise God's strength under his control. So gentleness is not about weakness. It's about strength. And it's demonstrating power without undue harshness. So it's okay to be a strong person. It's okay to have that. But first of all, we need to be operating in God's strength. And secondly, we need to do that without being harsh or controlling or manipulative or the other ways in which we can see people trying to enforce their strength. The second word is quiet, as in a quiet spirit. And again, I am very talkative. It's just part of who I am. It's part of my uh, personality. And I was thinking, oh, is this a character issue? Because <laughs> I know that personality is okay and it just, just can stay the same. But if it's a character issue, then I've got a responsibility to change that. But I loved what I found because it said to be steady due to a divinely inspired inner calmness. To be steady or to be calm due to a divinely inspired inner calmness. So can you imagine what life would be like if we started to live like that, not just in our homes, but in our community? Um, I, I just love it. I love the fact that this being gentle isn't about uh, self-control, but it's about exercising God's strength under his control. And I love the fact that when it comes to this idea of having a quiet spirit, that it's living life without anxiety. Um, can you imagine a, a calmness exuding into the workplace, into our home lives, into all of the cir circumstances that we experience, but it's a calmness that comes from Christ. Okay, so we're going to move on now to verses five and six. Uh, verse five says, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Oh, I like this. I like the sound of this verse. <laughs> and if you... Don't get any ideas. <laughs> and, and Sir Hitchman. <laughs> and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Uh, okay, there's a, there's a word that's repeated again and again in these scriptures, and, and it's pretty controversial. It's the word submit. Um, and, you know, we often hear it used, misquoted, misused um, within, you know, the, the realm that we, we work within. And in fact, actually, um, my, my thought, my first thought when I hear the word submit is about Saturday afternoons when I was a small child and my dad and my brother would watch the wrestling matches and of course you see a lot of you know um, wrestling and throwing people on the mat and yelling submit in the face and my brother really liked to practice that after watching the on wrestling <laughs> on me um, and it was very forceful it hurt and I wasn't happy about it so I, I kind of have one of these little reactions when I hear this word yeah so it's, it's a bit of a landmine but but we can't ignore it because it's here uh, and we really need to understand what it means so 
what, what I'm going to encourage you, especially if you're a wife, please try not to react to what you understand submit to mean, um, and just just bear with us. Bear with us as we try to understand this. Okay, so in order to understand this word, we're going to have to go back to the Garden of Eden when the fall happened. There was a curse as the result. So we're going to look at, at Genesis 3, verse 16, and it says this. To the woman, he said, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labour, and you will give birth to children. Okay, so we can understand that easily as being a curse. The next bit's not so straightforward. It says, your desire will be for your be for your husband. I mean, I quite like the idea of that. <laughs> okay, but no, we've got to remember, this is part of the curse. So your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So let's look at the word desire first. Desire for your husband. Sounds quite good, but it's part of the curse. So there's something else here that we, we don't understand. OK, so we're going to look at this word desire. In order to truly understand what this word desire means in this scripture, we need to cross-reference it where the same original language word appears and that's in Genesis 4, verse 7. We can read this here. Um, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. OK, so now we can see the curse element of the word desire. In other words, what, what God's warning Cain here is that there's going to be a battle of supremacy. Sin is seeking to rule over us. So let's take it back to, to, to marriage. Let's take it back to Genesis 3, verse 16. It says that, 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 that women need to be careful that we don't keep operating under the curse and, we, and that, Lainey, you don't desire to rule over me in, in, in an ungodly way. Um, and I think that's actually something that we can see a lot of, that there is this tension. Most of the couples that, you know, come our way are in conflict. And a lot of the reason why they're in conflict is for this battle of supremacy. But we want to also target a word that's used here because it's not just that the woman's desire for the husband is warped as in for the battle of supremacy but it's also the man, the man and the, the word rule here isn't to do with the godly authority structure it's to do with his actions and his response and that action and that response is actually this harsh dictatorial rule um, where they're ordering their wives to obey and ordering their wives to do what they want to do. So you can see that there's this battle lines that have been drawn almost, can't you? Yeah, but but through the scripture, God's, God's encouraging us not to be like that. So anyway, here's a summary of where we are so far. You know, both men and women have this tendency to fight to have their own way Mm. Um, and 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 conflicts arise and there's a struggle to be number one not just in marriages throughout all all relationships relationships within the family um, teenagers in the home children at school even in the workplace you know there's this competitive spirit where we're 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 trying to um, you know this one upman, upmanship in order to progress in work because we can't all progress in work. So there's, there's this competition that goes on. But, okay, we're going to bring another scripture in here as well, which is Ephesians 5 verse 21, which implores us as Christians to live a different way. 
which is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And really, this, this is the key. You know, you're looking at gospel, developing gospel communities and living in a gospel community. This, this is the key or, or a key, you know, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, it, it, it demonstrates to other people um, God's principles living within our lives his principles for living working through mm. our lives and this is the thing that shows other people that we are his disciples so in other words um, arguments get in our own way competing against one another shouldn't be our focus our focus should instead be not on competing but on loving another way to look at this word submit is you know, and submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ is to put yourself second. I think we always look at the word submit and we pull out, oh, we need to be obedient. But uh, there, there is this other meaning to submission as well, which is to put ourselves second. If we switch that around a little bit and say, put other people first, we're suddenly a whole lot more comfortable and confident with that, aren't we? And with this scripture especially, it's interesting that one part of the scripture talks about not being frightened. And I think that's a thing that there's an awful lot of fear when it comes to submitting one to another. We need to get rid of that fear and we need to live lives which serve one another. Yeah. It's a whole lot less scary when you put in this other scripture, which is the Ephesians 5 one that Roy's just read, because when we submit one to another... We really are serving one another. We've nothing to fear. We've not, not got anybody being harsh. We've not got anybody trying to rule the roost. We are loving the way that Jesus loved. Genuinely loving other people. And, and you know, putting other people first, submitting, putting other people first. That's not, it's, it's not the same as, and, and doesn't mean, you know, putting ourselves down at all. Mm. You know, there's nothing, nothing about us being second best or... Um, making ourselves lowly in order to submit one to the other. It just means preferring other people, mm. you know, looking after their interests, genuinely loving people. And Romans 12 verse 10 is a great verse to actually again insert in here because we need to get that balance of the context. It says, be kind, oh, sorry, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honour giving preference to one another that's this putting each other first and it's something that's being done in honor and this word crops up in the next verse yeah. which we'll read now which is verse seven yeah okay so verse seven says likewise husbands okay focuses on husbands now at last. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> um, or or men in, in in general as well they're the principles we're going to pull out from here Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be, be hindered. So there's, there's, there's a couple of, of key concepts here in this verse, three of them. The first one is understanding, okay? So understanding, let's look at the definition of understanding. It's knowledge gleaned from first-hand personal experience connecting theory to application so it's not just knowing something it's, it's it's taking what you know 
and understanding it and then applying it. So you, you can see this throughout Proverbs. You know, very often in Proverbs, you have three words which appear, which, which it's, it's very easy to take these three words and assign to them the same meaning you know, and use them interchangeably. But within, within Proverbs, the three words actually mean different things. And the, the words are knowledge, understanding and wisdom. Sometimes they appear in the same verse. Um, so they, they, there's a very different meaning to each of these words. You know, knowledge is knowing something is happening. Understanding is knowing why and understanding why it is happening. And then, and then of course, wisdom is knowing what to do about it. And if we, if we manage to get God's wisdom in any situation, then that's, that's the purest thing that we can apply in order to change um, what we understand to be happening and know to be happening. Okay, so understanding is, is one of the key concepts here. Honour is, is, is another key concept um, that we can apply to gospel communities. Uh, and that's to honour someone. For us to honour someone, it, it means that we properly perceive their value or their worth. So let's, let's try and make this a bit, a bit real. You know, I really honour Lainey um, because she's precious to me, but she's also precious in God's sight. Uh, and you can extend this. So, you know, it, when, when we understand that all the people around us, even the people we don't like, okay, are precious in God's sight, we can learn to honour them. Okay, so because I know Lainey's worth or because I know my neighbour's worth, I won't put them down or treat them badly or abuse them in any way or make them feel worthless. Mm. You know, they, 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 they don't become secondary. I'm, I'm choosing to put them first. I'm choosing to honour them. I'm choosing to understand what God sees within them. So I'm recognising my wife. I'm recognising her as a joint heir. Um, because there might be difference, differences physically between us, but spiritually there's not. Um, and in fact, often I think spiritually she's way above there. <laughs> but, you know, recognising her as, the, as, <laughs> as, as a joint heir, okay? And, and, and then God puts this last bit in this verse here, which is sort of like the incentive for a husband to honour his wife as joint heir, is that you, our prayers won't be hindered as a result of that. The, the barriers, there's something about barriers being taken down. Our, our prayers will be heard. Um, and but, that, that, was a, that was a weird one as well when I looked up and was trying to dig a bit deeper into what did that word hindered mean. It actually meant to be cut off. It wasn't just slow down, it was cut off. Yeah. So in other words, if you don't live with your wife in an understanding way, showing them honour and respecting them as, as spiritual equals, then it's going to have an impact on our prayers. We go, there's going to be a cutting off of some sort. So, you know, we've been told, we, we, we know this, it's not like God leaves us to just live under the consequences of this. You know, he's encouraging us to, to, to put these principles in, in place. So we've had these, uh, these verses which have really talked about family life, have talked about wives and husbands, so what have we learned? Because I think that we need to go away with something. Well, I think that the first thing that we've learned is that our attitude means a lot. Our behaviour is important, not just our outward behaviour and keep the bad attitude inside and hide it somehow, but actually change from the inside out, yeah. get that love 
uh, for God's people, that love for one another, that love for your family. And even if it's a family member that you maybe haven't got on well with. with that you get that love from God so that your behavior towards them is righteous, your behavior towards them is good because it directly impacts our witness. And we're just going to bring you back to that scripture that we started with, which is John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we need to really embrace what we've heard today put it into practice and show love to one another by putting each other first. Most of all, though, we need to actually put our relationship with God first. We need to learn how to submit to him. So I, I think I think it's really exciting when we look at, at developing gospel communities. Um, when we look at these verses, I think what happens when we when we we grasp what these verses are saying to us is God actually just raises the bar a little. It's not about um, trying hard to live in harmony with one another. Mm. It, it actually goes deeper. It goes to our core. It goes to our thoughts and our attitudes, which then um, are demonstrated through our, 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 our actions. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a high level now, but... It's here in the Word. We have God helping us to do this because He wants us to live live like mm. this. And so, you know, let's back to that strength under God's control thing, isn't it? Yeah. So let, let's not shy away from this saying it's too difficult, but let's embrace it and ask for God's help. You know, going forward to become more like these scriptures are are, are teaching us. So I, I hope that's helpful for you. Again, it's been our privilege to be able to bring this to you, and hopefully. Someday uh, we'll be able to visit you in person and we'd love to do that. When the music fades All is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you All about you, Jesus I'm sorry, love, for the thing I've made it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. <clears throat> mm -hmm. 
king of endless worth No one could express How much you deserve The one we can pull All I have is yours Every single breath I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it when it's all about you all about you Jesus I'm coming back to Sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus It's all about you Father God, help us to see that our worship moves beyond simply the singing of songs, as, as powerful as that is and as important as that is and biblical as that is, but into how we live our lives together in relationship, how we love one another and pursue that and hold unity and love above all else, because it's by our love for one another the world will see you and see that we follow you and see the difference and it's in our love we get to bear your image to the world, the world that you so loved that you sent your only son. Help us by your spirit. Help us by your spirit to be the kind of people you're calling us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I want to thank you for being with us this morning, whether you're off to gospel communities uh, today and uh, have a blessed time together, whatever you get up to this week. Know that God is with you and that we get to be his people here on earth, representing his image, bearing his image to the world around us. So I'm just praying that the spirit would enable you to live that out this week as we seek to glorify him in all of the spaces and places we find ourselves. Don't forget, next week we're back in person. We'll be at the URC Church on Rother Street in Stratford for 10.30. Look forward to having you with us. Uh, and until then, just praying God's blessing over every single one of you.